Hey everyone, and welcome to the eighth installment of the weekly catch-up podcast. It is November 19, 2019. I'm your host, Carson Gibbons, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, B-Red Colvin. Hey, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Happy to be here, man. (laughs) So uh, we're coming to you from an untraditional podcast location. We're sitting here in Mr. B-Red's teacher lounge office. Yeah, I have my own office, and you obliged me to come visit me, so... Uh, tomorrow evening, I can celebrate my girlfriend's birthday. And um, Ooh, happy birthday, Courtney! Um, I didn't realize that she was so close to mine. Yeah, Wait, well, what is she's her the day birthday? after yours? Okay, November twenty-one. There's a lot of cool people. I actually had an interview last night with a guy whose birthday is on November twenty-one, and I immediately felt like, oh wow, you're the same kind <laughs> of screwed up as me. <laughs> uh, not sure how that. Not sure that's how that works. I, but. I feel like people traditionally view Scorpios as like flawed plagued individuals of sorts maybe i mean drake yeah well no he's october Mm. october's very own he's still he released the album scorpio oh scorpion Uh, are you sure that he's a scorpio continue talking i'll check okay well anyway uh b-rad hit me up earlier this week and had just explained that he had his girlfriend's birthday dinner which was going to be in conflict with our normal podcast taping at the Dallas location. And so um, I ended up coming down to Chisholm Trail Academy here in Keene, Texas, battled through the Dallas traffic to get here and uh, just had the distinct privilege of meeting Bradley's, I guess, boss, or he's the direct report. Um, That's my principal. Principal Simons, Simple Simon, (laughs) as he uh, introduced himself um, after explaining to me that it was either a good friend or, it was a family member. Family member had dated my mom back in the day. And he's <laughs> like, I don't know your dad, but say hello to your mom for me. And I was like, all right, yeah, <laughs> back so that's, up. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, I'm pretty positive that we actually ran into your principal um, at uh, Antonio's Mexican Food in Burleson the last time that we were there. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, just to bring it back for a sec, Drake is a Scorpio. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. I know. I know, I know that I make the tail end of the... Uh, the the star designation yeah, or whatever he, he makes it right in the beginning so yeah that makes a lot of sense but anyway so i i hit up b-rad today and said hey dude um i'm coming down i got the the portable podcast studio all ready to go um do you have a, a good taping location for us and he goes yeah we can just try my office and i was <laughs> like okay you prick like <laughs> i didn't know you had an office i mean even my teacher friends have offices yeah you know just <laughs> no uh, but i just got the uh I just got the tour. It's a really cool, like little kind of cozy nook room. Yeah. A lot of my students. So I have several juniors that came in maybe uh, four weeks into school and they decided to uh, or they asked if they could paint my classroom. And so we had like a pizza party. They came in with their paint and rollers and uh, then they decorated my bookshelves. We put up some cool boards. We have like a quote of the week that we put up every week. Um, that the students pick. And so uh, they've really made the classroom their own. And that's uh, really what I'm all about, man. I just want them to feel comfortable in the classroom and for them to feel like it's theirs and not dread coming in. Like I always have students trying to hang out in here just because it's one of their favorite classrooms now that we have all the lights set up and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't even noticed the kind of festive Christmas lights. Are those so uh, a new addition for Christmas or are those always so for those right? listening, we have a Christmas tree in there and obviously that's not going to stay up year round. But the lights that I have strung around the classroom, that is a year round thing. 
And so I typically turn on half of the main lights and then I turn on the little festive lights. So it creates a nice little ambiance. Um, uh, you know, so we do that whenever we're reading. If they're testing and stuff, I want them to stay focused. So I'll turn on all the lights. Don't want them falling asleep or anything. But oh, it's actually like a an ambiance measure. Oh or yeah, clairvoyance. What is the lighting term that I'm searching for? Um, um, I don't know, man. I thought, I thought you nailed it with ambiance, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, it, it was just interesting to come down and actually see your uh, your workspace because I feel like. Um, all of our teacher friends with the exception of you and Sierra are at like lower grade levels where I knew it would be, it would be intrinsic that they would probably have the same kids all day in the same room. Right. But with you guys here at the high school level. Yeah. I see three grades a day. Yeah. I didn't know um, if they, if you switched rooms or they switched rooms. And so it's really cool to kind of see your, your work digs here and, um, you have like the only adjoining office to the classroom. Yeah. So I can take my breaks, but you know, still peek in and make sure that they're not, you know, burning the classroom down. So that's always a nice, always a plus. Yeah. So you got a bunch of tournaments this weekend that you're, or this week, I guess. Um, Not tournaments. We're doing the podcast a day early this week, I guess. Yeah. We're doing it a day early. And I also wasn't able to drive to you today because every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday basketball games are going on. And, um, whenever they're home games, especially I announce them, like I announce the starting five for both the varsity, uh, girls and boys. And then I sit with the boys You're during like, their Are game. you ready to rumble? Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I've described, you know, me always wanting to be there for my students and everything. So really for the varsity boys, my role has been to like calm them down whenever they get heated on the court. You know, we have some, they get pretty emotional. And, you know, the coach is yelling at him, do, you know, doing their, his job and everything, you know, and I respect that. So my job is, you know, to cool them down, you know, make sure they're not yelling at the refs so they don't get, you know, thrown out of the game and stuff like that. So wow, you're <laughs> just holding back prepubescent adolescent men. Like, dude, it's gotten hey man, crazy. Don't fight them. But, but I swear, like I've taken some out into the hallway and, you know, given them, you know, my little pep talk and they've gone back in and scored like 15 points. Last night, uh, we won a really tough game by three points. It was neck and neck the entire game. Really exciting. Their coach was so like the opponent's coach was so angry and because uh, they were expecting like an easy, easy win. They that coach had actually told our head coach that uh, they're like, man, yeah, we're really upset that we have to play North Dallas this year because they're going to screw up our chance to go into the playoffs. Like he was already talking about another team to us because he was not worried about us beating them. And we ended up beating them by three. So it was a huge win for our boys. I'm really, really proud of them. Well, mad props, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what else is going on in the way? It's weird coming back down here to Keene. I feel like I'm off my game from <laughs> all the stuff that I would normally be talking about or, or kind of uh, on the ball with uh, just because. Yeah, you're in my world now. Yeah, I'm in your world and it's just kind of trippy to be back down here. My, my reasons for being down here, uh, unfortunately, have dwindled as the years have gone on and, you know, progressively lost different family members uh to different illnesses in their elder age but uh it's cool to be back down here in my alma mater town and yeah lots of memories and yeah um i know we briefly mentioned one time about how you and i reconnected after you had graduated and everything oh do i actually get to tell that story today yeah because i did tell you you know we'll hold off for another time so if you wanted to share (laughs) that i figured now would be an appropriate time you being back here in Keene. this is some episode eight goodness and I'm, i'm trying to remember not to appear crass, but 
trying to remember who passed <laughs> that I was down here. Yeah. Um, I want to say that it was uh, my my dad's dad, who was the first of all of the kind of grandparents to to pass away. That and sounds right. So I was down here. He he was one of those uh, people that, you know, he had his first quadruple bypass surgery at the age of like 49 or something oh, wow. crazy. Um, or maybe it was just bypass surgery. Either way. Um, so he lived to be 80, early 80s, something like that. Okay. And so, um, but he'd been on his last leg for quite a while and it was almost more of a blessing that he was gone. I think that he wanted it that way. So the mood was just to set the stage. Like I was not down here, I guess, bawling my eyes right. out, like, yeah. you know, not able to, I didn't need windshield wipers for my eyes. Yeah, it wasn't like a sudden passing or anything. <laughs> no, like that. it was. Yeah. I mean, it was sudden. They're always sudden is the weird thing. Like he he was OK and then in hospice and then dead. OK, very briefly. But it was like, you know, the 58,000th time that he should have gone. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. <laughs> so, so, you, yeah. So it's like another was like, oh, you didn't realize this would be the the actual time. Yeah. I mean, that being said, I did miss seeing him in hospice. Um so that was bad timing on my part. But anyway, we were down here for the funeral and some of the festivities and different things like that. And I hadn't seen good old B-Red here in, what, a couple of years? Yeah. Um, I, had gone to, to I had gone to Southern uh, okay. in Tennessee, College Dale, Tennessee. And I spent a year out there, you know. Um, I actually spent time, you know, uh, my ex-girlfriend and your sister were good friends. I introduced them. And so I spent time uh, hanging out with your sister over in, in Southern. And, uh, and now she'll be my cousin soon. <laughs> oh, my ex. Yeah. yeah. I, thought, I thought you met your sister. No. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> well, no, just going back to yeah, Principal yeah. Simple Simon saying like, oh, we could have been family. And I was like, yeah. well, if it wasn't through my mom, it definitely could have been through my uncle <laughs> who's made me family with half the town through his <laughs> endeavors oh. and marriages. But go back anyway, to what you were saying. So That's how the I end of faith is. Right. Very and so I had been at Southern hanging out, you know, hanging out with my friends and your sister. And then I ended up transferring back. And uh, you were over in Dallas at that point. You were kind of well established. And, um, you know, I just hadn't hit you up. Um, I had broken <laughs> up. I had broken up with my ex. And um, then I had been going. Then somebody ended up breaking up with me. So I was just kind of in a rut. And uh, I'm just. <laughs> I was living in the villa. It's known as the villa across the street, which was like some old apartments that now they rent out to um, students. And so that for being, like the older, the older classmen. And you were like, what, fifth, sixth year at that point? <laughs> I graduated in five years. That was probably. Let's just, let's just say that I'd been out of school for years at that point. But you and, were already ahead of me. Right, right. No, I was ahead of you. Um in so many ways. No, <laughs> no just age wise, like, uh, you know, uh, credit hours wise, all of that good stuff. And I didn't transfer schools. You were back from Southern, back right. at Southwestern, living in like the upperclassmen housing or whatever. And so I'm down visiting uh, the family that I had left in town, which is very proximate to the campus. <laughs> Small <laughs> and, town. What what was it like a Sunday, a Saturday, just like maybe so? But I'm just gonna have you paint. The, I'm just gonna have you paint the picture. You it's know? really sad. <laughs> like it's not really sad. It it was just funny because I know that Brad didn't want me to catch him in this moment and was like just befuddled that I had you know. So I'm driving down the street. I'm in my granny's uh, Honda CRV, so he doesn't recognize me. I'm going out to get 
some Sonic for the family or something. And I'm going down old Betsy by the campus and I just see this like large white figure (laughs) off in the distance, like lumbering across the street. And I look over and I'm thinking, oh, wow, let's see. Let's see what the riffraff and the adult housing at Southwestern, you know, has to to offer. Teen's finest, baby. Teen's finest. Um, Just because there's been a series of characters that have lived in that. You're not wrong. Yeah, I'm not wrong. It's always been, you know, the eighth year theology student that has too many opinions in Sabbath school or something of that nature. But anyway, so I finally established that it's Brad and then (laughs) you were heavier then. Yeah. You were not on your game. You were heavier. You were in an oversized white t-shirt, white basketball pants, I believe black Velcro sandals. And you had been jonesing for a subway foot long and you were just lumbering out, sleep in your eyes. (laughs) So those not aware in Keene, you know, basically the only two places you can eat. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone listening to this, if you're, if you are unaware of what's in Keene, you basically have two options to eat. You have a Sonic or a subway and subway was right across the street from the villa. And, um, you know, and Brad was visiting it that day. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And so, I just see, honestly, I didn't see this sad, pathetic figure. Um, it was yeah. more just that I pulled over and I'm in a shiny new CRV that wasn't even mine. I've got my hair done. I'm ready for like funeral festivities, but it's also like a family reunion. So. And, and I'm wearing like a t-shirt that I got from Dollar General. Like, yeah. So. And you're walking to Dollar General. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so you could just see the embarrassment on B-Red's face. Yeah. Like, hey, man, like... I'm almost out of here. Like, <laughs> this isn't me anymore. Yeah, I, I do remember like having to clarify, like, like I'm good. <laughs> well, and that was at the peak of like my, um, it, I was flying close to the sun and my wings had not yet been burnt yet. Yeah. And we had, and we hadn't reconnected. Yeah. And so like, you knew that I had, you know, broken up with my ex and everything. So I, I just knew the bare fundamentals, dude. Right. Like it, I was like, exactly. Catch me up from the and last so, thing. So the last thing that I wanted was for us to be running into each other at that point, like where it looks like I don't have my life together or anything. Whenever I'm really just, you know, strolling on a Sunday, probably. And, and you know, you're having a hair down day. Yeah, it was chill. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't trying to impress anyone, man. You should have told me you were rolling through. Well, you know, figured you'd graduated or something by that <laughs> point. But I guess I was wrong. Well, Southern screwed me on my credits. And that's a story for another time. Okay. Uh, well, all that to say that it's good to be back in the Mecca that is keen. Um, I met you at the Ms. Brigade here several months ago yeah. prior to starting this podcast. And buddy, right when I moved back, congratulations on this is our eighth week of getting together and doing this podcast. We're, I think last week we eclipsed the, uh, the 10 hour, 45 minute mark of right. content created. So episode eight of the first season i'm excited to get that in the books and then we'll have to do some creative fancy footwork with our schedules for next week yeah with it being thanksgiving, thanksgiving break yeah. i'll be in austin but but we'll still provide when, some when do you go to austin probably monday so you're off all next week yes okay cool is that how the collegiate level works as well yeah sometimes they actually get more time off yeah i, I figured that they would but it seems like they would just have the week I'm thinking for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think their Christmas break is longer. Didn't it seem like they restricted 
some of those holidays to a, a like a smaller scale when we were in college like yeah, didn't we like go it, from like it it used to be like a full week for thanksgiving down to three days or it was mm-hmm. something weird definitely um but the cool thing like i love working at this school because instead of taking those holidays like uh i don't know some schools get columbus day off or mlk or uh veterans day or different things like that we actually go into work on those days and then we have an entire week off an extra week off in January. So we have a winter break and a spring break. Um, so, you know, Thanksgiving break is this weekend. I'm here for two weeks and then we have Christmas break. I get back and then like three weeks later I'm on winter break and uh, really enjoying that winter break. I like all the different breaks that you guys have. It's so convenient back. So whenever CTA, so I'm working at uh, CTA Chisholm trail Academy Back whenever I was in grade school, uh, I was at Burton Adventist Academy, and CTA was actually our rivals, and we would call them constantly traveling academy <laughs> because they were always gone. Like they constantly were never in school. Academy. So I'm I'm actually now I gloat about it now that I'm a part of the part of the crew. Was CTA uh, thought of as the more uh, illustrious school I, re- yeah, compared I to Burton? So. Why? Just because it was like closer to the they, Mecca? I mean, they were always going on all these trips, um, you know, and they were right next to Southwestern, the university. And so I just feel like they were catered to more, um, which, you know, rightfully so. Um, <laughs> now that I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> she really makes sense. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'll take another free backpack. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Swag. <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I turn 30 years old tomorrow. My 20s yes. end tonight man. and I'm spending it in Keene, Texas. What is wrong with me? How does it feel? Man, it's, I don't know. You, you definitely start to get more intentional. Um, like I want to buy a house or I want to get some property. Like, yeah, I don't know. You start to look at things and like, what can I set up? Like, um, I don't know, man. Um, it's, it's interesting just to think that you go from nine to 10 and you go from 19 to 20. And I, I definitely remember going from 19 to 20 and feeling, Oh wow. Like this is just a lot more validation, you know, right. Like, I'm clearly much higher in the food chain now as a result of being 20 rather than 19. And so just thinking like, wow, I've, I've only gone through three of these or I'm going through three of these thus far in right. life. Um, you start to realize like, I've got four good ones left, potentially. Yeah. Maybe five. You think so? Yeah, man. Like every, we're only going to live to be 70, 80, 90, you know? That's true. I mean, you I know. mean, I want to live to be at least 79 to 89. And I would love to go in like a quick, fiery car crash or something <laughs> where I don't want my, my mind to outlast my body. I don't want yeah. my body to outlast your mind. mind. That's what I'm scared of being trapped in your body and not being able to communicate. That's a fear. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but you were still in your prime. Yeah. And so not to throw you off or anything, but is there, what's like one of the biggest life lessons or takeaways from this uh, past decade of your life? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, just to be patient, you know, breathe it out, be a little bit more, meditative in life, so to speak. Um, I don't know. I I think that a lot of my twenties was plagued with, you know, um, 
just being impetuous. And I actually, I had to defend my professional resume in an interview last night. I met at uh, the WeWork over on McKinney Avenue in, in Uptown Dallas and, you know, met on this beautiful patio overlooking the city. We had an outdoor meeting from five to seven. It was our third meeting, I believe. And we've kind of had a, a very untraditional interview process, uh, me and this particular company. And, you know, the guy said, if you could just, uh, you know, uh, appease me for a few minutes and go through this exercise with mm -hmm. me. And he walked me through, he was like, okay, he wasn't as concerned about what happened at each position. He was more like, tell me how you went from position to position. Right. And as a result, I did a heavy LinkedIn <laughs> <laughs> scrutinization and revision session today. But what I had to come down to was like, I've been highly effective in many of my roles and I've done great things and I've had great little stories of, yeah, well, I, I recruited this guy that went over to this agency and then I joined him. We overlapped for several years and then we started a company together and like, it's all, it's all groovy. But a lot of the departures and like in-betweens were very emotionally based is right. what I realized. And I'd known that, but I hadn't like when I really had to defend from 21, from leaving this town, you know, when I was here at Southwestern, I was a communications major. Um, I wanted to be working for a top 20 ad agency out of Dallas. That didn't happen upon graduation. And, you know, I had a, a lot of, uh, I've had a lot of great experience and I wouldn't redo everything over. There were certain things that potentially I would take a second look at, but yeah, I mean, if there's any 20 year old, kids out there listening to this like just calmly breathe you know uh meditate every day stay grounded um try to save as much money as possible like freedom freedom can be bought with uh you know personal financial propriety um yeah. so i love that if you manage your personal burn rate um and ultimately like I think on the relationship front and love and all of that stuff, um, I don't normally like to get into all of that stuff too publicly, but what I would say is that I think that Disney and Hollywood and all of these entities have kind of programmed certain people, like maybe myself, maybe this is my own personal reflection, but you always think that somebody's going to come into your life and everything's going to change. It's like, Oh, the, the boss's daughter took a shining to you as you got the <laughs> job of your dreams. You know, like I, I felt like we were always channeling like Shia LaBeouf, <laughs> like from uh, the Transformers movies, whenever right. he would go get some awesome job way out of his pay grade and some, you know, hot yeah, girlfriend, Megan really Fox. supportive parents, you know, like, um, yeah, I, I think that ultimately with both your friends and whoever you're coupled with or partnered with. Um, or even dating, you know, they're not going to go away. Like just because you quit dating them, they're going to go on to do the lives that they're going to live. And it, it's ultimately just a decision about who you're going to couple yourself with and um, who's familiar with you. And I, I don't even know what I'm trying to really articulate there other than like it used to be when you were 20 and a friend talked behind your back. Well, now you have drama, you have beef yeah. with that friend. And now I realize that people sometimes say something behind another close friend's back, but it's not really meant with any malicious intent or anything. It's more just like sharing the information that you have about that person and catching yeah. up with somebody that 
oh, here's something that we have in common and that everybody's going to continue being friends. Like we've had enough time and track record as adults at this point to disagree with different decisions that we've all made as friends. Yeah, like you don't always have to see eye to eye and that's not, you know, as long as that doesn't infringe upon like your beliefs or my beliefs or whoever's beliefs, like there's still an understanding. You can still, you know, find common ground and, you know, still care about one another. I think maybe my reflection or observation is that when you're 20 and you don't see eye to eye on certain things, often it signals the end of the relationship to a large extent. Whereas when you're reflecting on your 30 year old friends and the people that you've had in your life for years, you've already, there's so much life, the things that you're optimizing for the things that you're thinking about, like politics, religion, beliefs, uh, family planning, uh, estate planning, uh, career planning. Once you've gotten to the point where you're like still friends at 27 or 28, maybe it's like, okay, the things that we don't always see eye to eye on are things that we can still get over and have brunch together this Sunday. Right. You know? Yeah. It's not like, oh, this is the major that I want to pursue. So it's probably going to, you know, make me go to grad school in these different locations. And you're never going to be in any of those locations or have an interest in this particular topic. Yeah. So So, let's not waste that time. Right. So I don't know. It's just, I, does that do any justice to the question that you asked? No, absolutely. Me? <laughs> yeah. Be, um, be more patient. Understand that everything is a decision and that everything stays with you for life and that your brand is something that, you know, it, your brand is the story that people tell about you when you're not in the room. Yeah. And I think another word synonymous with brand in this situation would be like your character. Yeah, exactly. Um, for, uh, you know, just I'm like my commercial. Well, character. yeah, because like, you like, you know, you're businessman and everything. But for those that aren't like in that sphere or <laughs> who are animals, <laughs> you know, just, yeah, your character. Yeah, no, I, I think that a big part of that also is just the passing of, you know, key figures in my life, like my grandparents and hearing what people had to say about them at the casket, you know, graveside funeral service. You know, Jordan Peterson, um, not to invoke any, you know, self-help or anything like that, but I think that Jordan Peterson with his uh, teachings and YouTube videos and um, his books and different things like that, he's inspired a lot of young men, um, myself included, to kind of, he had this saying, like, who do, be the man that you want to be at your, I think it was your father's funeral or something like that. Mm. And I had my grandfather's funeral this year and I feel like your CD ROM just went, <laughs> just went nuts. Uh, I had, you know, the de- the passing of both grandfathers in the last couple of years. And so I feel like at 30, I'm just staring down the face of trying to become the man that I want to be for my, at least my grandfather's funerals right. and understanding that that signal signals the, the, the shift in the, the chapter of life where I, I'm in the 30 to 60 range now, mm-hmm. like there's zero to 30 ramp up 30 to 60 produce and then 60 to 90 tail off and inevitably go back in the pasture yeah. and die. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just weird to see, Oh, granddaddy just eclipsed, you know, the third trimester of life. And my parents are just now entering their second and, or I'm sorry, their third. Right. And I'm entering my second and the amount of like production that, and I'm just using that word to say, I need to go make some millions of dollars in mm-hmm. my career so that I can set up something that can be passed down to future generations. If I'm going to have future generations, I have to make those plans in the next, 
you know, 10 years, yeah. you know? See, cause I was about to ask you like at this point in your life about to turn 30, I was just going to ask like, what is it that you, you know, you're talking about how people will talk about you at your funeral. Like, what does that look like for you? How do you want to be um, seen or like, what kind of legacy is it that you want to leave behind? I feel like those goalposts definitely move. Um, yeah. I, I think that what I deem to be important or what I would want to hear relayed at a funeral of mine changes almost every year, definitely every five or 10 years. Interesting. Um, I think it's in the process of evolving heavily right now. Yeah. You know, cause I've not been, I know that you're all on the kids train and all this stuff. I still don't know. Sometimes I'm like, maybe I want to eke one out when I'm 45 yeah. just to pass down the, the name and, you know, but I, I am, I am understanding of the fact that every year that goes by, the more you want to see yourself in like a little robot running around <laughs> taking over the world. Yeah, man. You know, a little mini me. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that you have those, you know, desires oh, yeah. and urges. I absolutely want to have kids. Um, uh, yeah, I look forward to it. How many? Three tops. <laughs> so three. Tops. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's People just say three at the most want three kids. <laughs> As long as I can, you know, financially support my, you know, along with my spouse, you know, Man, financially support them. I know that's what's crazy. Like, See, like I, I would rather have, you know, one or two kids and, you know, be able to give them the world than have three and like kind of be struggling. You know what I mean? Like, well, man, if you're giving wanna... two kids the world in the 2020s, you know, good well, for yeah. you. And I think that part of I that. Mean, I'm not going to be doing it by teaching here but (laughs) i'm gonna need a little bit better office yeah but the point of country versus city remains um i realized that the reason why a lot of my peers left uptown dallas left downtown dallas left turtle creek and all of the more uh costly per square foot areas if you will to go to the suburbs and buy either fixer uppers or you know, first homes and then flip it for a profit or whatever the case may be is because, you know, to go buy the home, I I guess I'm not the person that wants to grow in homes. I want to go get the dream home first and just put all of my, you know, compounding value into that home. Okay. You know, go get the crappiest home in Highland Park on the block, but put everything I have into that. And then in 30 years, you live in Highland Park. Yeah. You know, reap the reward. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, if I was out here in Burleson, Keene, Forney, Crowley, wherever, where you can go get a home for, I'm sure a hundred thousand dollars, you know, yeah. I mean, that's kind of insane to think about. Right. Yeah. Uh, another reason why I kind of decided to move back here was just, you know, we've talked about this in multiple episodes now, but just how expensive the East coast was on a teacher salary was just not really cutting it for me. So and, you know, we've talked about me wanting to own a house and everything. So still looking into that. Are you looking to be a person that grows like our friend Jake, mm-hmm. who does really well in the corporate world, also does well on the, you know, private flipping side of things because he right. and his wife, Liz, bought their first home in the Carrollton area several years ago and flipped it for a profit of tens of thousands of yeah. dollars and built their own dream. Home. I'm all about that. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself. I, I was talking about this with another friend of ours who is, uh, he's well-paid, um, mm-hmm. wants to be even more well-paid, uh, but doesn't have, 
he doesn't own anything outright per se. Like doesn't own a home, doesn't have equity and like things that are appreciating. And so I realized in that moment, I'm like, Jake is so much richer than the rest of us <laughs> in that, you know, he's already made the types of money that you make when you flip a home, when you're making, like if, if you and a spouse are pulling six figures each or even aggregate and you're building that kind of value in a, in a real estate property and then you're flipping it and you're putting equity into a new home and the rest of us are still renting, we're still crashing on couches or whatever. I mean, those people are putting up generational yeah, wealth right. and- that's the thing that I'm privy to is that I don't feel ready for all of that stuff quite yet, mm -hmm. but I realize that if I don't make it a priority, make a plan around it and get on it here in the next five years, that it's likely not going to happen for me on a timetable where I could still enjoy it to the fullest. Right. Yeah. And that's another thing uh, you had kind of asked me. Uh, I want to own a house and then I definitely, I'm not the type that's like, okay, we need to set our roots here and you know all the kids are going to grow up in this one house for the next you know 20 years and then oh, we'll see them all people <laughs> like I, I don't need that and so i'm all about you know putting money into a house and flipping it just like you said um that's kind of the plan but i have to own it like i'm no i i loathe the idea of putting money into something that i don't own and have nothing to show for it yeah it even seems as your rent expenses increase it's like okay you're paying two three four thousand dollars a month in rent and you're not going to just just put that money towards a mortgage but the thing that you know gets everybody is that they don't have i guess the 50 or a hundred thousand dollars that they would up. need for a down payment so in some ways i'm like should i just be saving and the minute i have like you know however much for the down payment i just put it all in like put all my poker chips into the middle and then pray that you know property taxes and yeah you know, uh, Angie's list expenses don't come into play. I mean, I'll let you know how it works out. I yeah, guess. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> dude, we're coming ever. Every day is closer to the day that you call that realtor. And I just can't believe that in six months time, you're going to be activating a search for your first piece of the rock. Yeah, man. Okay. I I'm excited. So let's get into some new stuff. I guess I don't have any <laughs> Wi-Fi coverage here or LTE even. Yeah. AT&T is just terrible and keen. But uh, did you see that two guards got arrested and charged? In oh, yes. The Epstein stuff. I read the I article on the way down while I was driving. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not the best. But uh, so they got charged with like basically falsifying reports of checking in on Epstein. And so my question is, is it going to stop there? Like, are, are no, they? Okay. It's not. Okay. It, they, we've already been assured. In fact, um, I think Senator Ben Sass, are you familiar with him? I'm not. He was the one that famously, uh, he was on Real Time with Bill Maher and was the interviewee talking about coming, like inviting Bill Maher to Nebraska to come work in the fields. And that's when Bill Maher infamously said the N-word. Mm. He said. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do recall that episode. I was watching that like live the night of and I literally just like freaked out and I was like, they're going to cancel Bill Maher and Bill Maher is my favorite television, you know, guy. Like, right. I love that show. Anyway, uh, Ben Sass was the one that famously uh, was in that narrative and set that, set that whole scenario up very strange by inviting him to come work in the fields, by the way. <laughs> anyway, he's, he was quoted in the Yahoo news article that I read earlier today um, as having said, while this is great, uh, we're in no way like shutting things down. This is still moving forward um, expeditiously yeah. and all of that. 
Good. Good so, to know. I mean, this was like the first, I guess, official thing that had broken since since his death. Yeah, basically. I feel like Joe Rogan is the only one that's been elevating the status of mm. that and that the and Twitter Project Veritas stuff. Oh, yeah. But uh, Joe Rogan himself, he did like eight Instagram posts and tweets the other day or series of days about, you know, Jeffrey Epstein did not kill mm-hmm. himself. And he's talked about it on virtually every podcast. I was listening to his uh, podcast with Matt. I think it's Matt Talib or Matt Talibi on the way down here. Okay. Who is a, a really interesting journalist who has a lot of insight on some of this stuff. It might be worth a, a check out, but I'm sure that he's going to have to update. He's going to come out with uh, new reflections now that, now that it's broken that those two cops are, here's the main question though who paid them why did they falsify reports like yeah i doubt that this was just a stereotypical government employee asleep on the job situation nah there's a there's a grander scandal that we'll be reporting here in the next few weeks or months to come i'm sure yeah i was hearing about um, and whoa but what if these what? two guards what i'm saying what if they squeal or what if they end up dying no Come on, I man. hadn't even thought about that. But there, there's two guards. One of them has been employed since 2016. If at- they're smart, they would kill themselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the question. All, don't we just have to ask them, like, who paid you? Of course, then they're going to say, well, the prison warden paid us. And then you're going to go to the prison warden. Yeah. And he's going to say, Chuck Schumer called me. And Chuck Schumer is going to be like, Bill Clinton called me. Yeah. And, well, Prince Andrew called him, you know. Yeah crazy i heard that a lot of i think the prince andrew implications were what helped bury it from mainstream media for so long because think about all of the royal births and weddings that have occurred over the last decade essentially right since kate middleton came into the picture and they've had two children now i believe so i I guess that the logic that like matt on jre from saturday's episode was talking about was just that if we run this story, we may not be able to have the exclusive photos of, um, you know, Harry and uh, um, Meghan Markle or, yeah. you know, Prince William's new baby or whatever. Man, the they will be. not leave Meghan Markle alone, huh? Yeah, I don't know what's going. It wasn't her. She was linked to somebody. I'm trying to think about what the connection is here. I can't remember lately. I mean, what's honestly, it's just scandal? it's just hard to keep like her just wanting to be a normal mom and and not really do the whole royalty thing. And Oh, I forgot she's pregnant. Isn't she? Yeah. Um, I think that the link that I was thinking about was that journalists that were responsible for promoting Brexit had also been critical of Meghan Markle and her ascent to the throne and maybe had some dog whistle, semi racist type language. Uh, Yeah. That sounds somewhat familiar too. I know that she is also constantly, you know, just her appearance, which I think she's beautiful. Oh, oh, yeah. She'll always be Rachel Zane from Suits. Yes, and Suits, man. She is, dude. We were all in love with her. Yes, I mean she's beautiful, and she was always dressed like a paralegal and like pencil skirts and high heels and and somehow they're and somehow and, they're tearing her to shreds just over her appearance, which is wild. Well, I mean. Because she's not, you know, we're, we're critiquing her as a, a good looking actress in this scenario. And they're critiquing her as somebody who's inheriting the throne. OK, but and they have, I don't know. They haven't all been lookers, though. No, I mean, very few of them, actually. Right. I think Kate Middleton was actually a very attractive choice that also was like right down the middle of what Prince William had to choose from. Like yeah. he 
he went the right route. He went the eldest son route, you know, and went and got the stereotypical, um, watch out your, your thing is on the cord. I don't want that to, uh, don't go back on it. Okay, good. Just don't rock back and forth. <laughs> Sorry guys. Freak out moment from Carson. If that power cord gets, I was just adjusting my back. <laughs> Uh, the laptop will not die immediately if it's unplugged. It would last about 30 minutes, so we're good. Um, yeah, but forever Rachel Zane to both you and me. So you were a Suits fan too. Oh, yeah, um, but I'm all about Donna. Oh, yes. She's amazing. If you've seen the show, Donna is, you know, just she's always there when she needs to be. Like She's just always looking out for Harvey Specter. And, well, and everybody wants to be Harvey Specter, you know. Yeah, you know, we want to be Harvey Specter, but we also want to be under the tutelage of Harvey Specter and like right. the protection of Harvey Specter, and the 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 mind share that Harvey and Donna have in that show is so sexy. Like, yeah, the unwritten communication that they have, like her intrinsic knowledge of what comes next, like what needs to be done, the their ability to communicate with just a look, oh. Yeah. That that show is very sexually charged, actually. Yeah, there's a lot of tension. <laughs> there's a lot of sexy lawyers in that show. Yeah, <laughs> and in reality, we're all just Lewis Lit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, Lewis Lit. He's a great actor, by the way. Phenomenal. Rick Hoffman, right? Yeah. Or uh, Rick Hoffman. Hoffman, like I believe. Um, what else have we seen him in? I haven't. Se- I personally haven't seen him in anything else. I'm gonna look up his but, IMDb yeah. when I get back. I don't imagine <laughs> he he's that character in person, or he would be incorrigible. But uh, incorrigible, yeah. Um, but going back to Meghan Markle real, real quick, um, she's just been plagued by. Let, let's, if she had been a white American, this would have gone smoother for her. Yep. If she had been a white British woman, this would have gone even smoother for her. Yep. If she'd been a white British woman from a family that should have been considered by whatever criterion they use, which I don't even know what qualified the Middleton sisters to be uh, candidates for. I believe you just gave the two qualifications already. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think that there's even more excessive no, I know. Uh, tiers that you have to scale through. But I just think that overall, it's been really interesting to correlate what's happened in Great Britain and the United States and really great portions of the world where you see a lot of like kind of right wing leaning movements occurring in addition to left wing movements, but just like independence and sovereignty and, you know, individuality and almost isolationist type tactics. It's been spreading, you know, they voted to Brexit prior to us voting for Trump. Right. I was listening to this. Uh, somebody was saying something to the effect of it would be like a Chinese Trojan horse of thinking 15 steps ahead for <laughs> Democrats to actually have been the ones that, you know, put Donald Trump up for election just because we're moving in so many different socialist and co- almost communistic, especially with like our communication being sur- surveyed and tapped into and all yeah. of the different agencies that have free reign over our privacy. Like we're giving up rights, we're giving up freedoms, we're giving up a lot of different stuff, even our right to certain types of free speech as a result of having the most extreme point of view on all those ten, right. on all those fronts yep. in the Oval Office. Yeah, um, I actually talked a lot about privacy with my students today. Um, 
you know, whenever we first started this podcast, I gave you the list of books that we had been reading, and one of them was 1984. Well, we finally finished the book, and uh, they're actually being tested on it uh, this week, um, Thursday and Friday. And uh, so I've already given the test review, so I was just kind of giving them examples, you know, of going down different ways that, uh, that you know, government has perhaps tried to control us in today's world and, you know, just making the book more relevant. And so I had pulled up a bunch of different articles about, you know, security cameras and different, different things. And then we just got to something as simple as, you know, your social media presence and, um, whether or not, you know, jobs, your, you know, job opportunities, uh, you know, companies that you're wanting to work for, if, if they look into things that you've posted in the past and they're like, Oh, well, they shouldn't judge me. Like, off of what I posted like five years ago or a year ago. And I had one girl say, she's like, you know, somebody can even change within a month or, you know, a week, a day. Like who's to say where you draw the line on where a person can change and why should they be punished for something that's in the past? And so I just told them, I was like, well, as an educator, you know, let's say, you know, someday you have kids and you're wanting to send them to a school. So you look into the school and you look into, um, all the staff and teachers, perhaps, you know, you stalk them on Facebook or, or check them out on Twitter and you're going through all of their feed and you see something that you don't like. Are you really going to feel safe, like sending your kids to that school? Are you, is that going to, um, affect your decision? And she's like, well, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, that's why companies, you know, are going to be looking into what you're posting. Like, I understand you, you know, there's always room for growth because that was one of her arguments was like, well, shouldn't they want to hire us and, you know, help us grow to be better people? And I'm like, well, in an ideal world, like that would be, that would be nice. Right. But nobody's just going to hand that to you. They're just going to wipe your butt, give you a paycheck. And (laughs) exactly. I'm like, you got to show consistency. And so it it definitely matters. Um, and, but that point of like, I get your point, like, wouldn't they want to work with you? I understand that you understand what we all know that we can all change within a month's time or a day's time or a year's time, whatever the case may be. It's interesting that they have that viewpoint. Like I thought that Gen Z or whatever they are, uh, were more like with it that this lasts forever. This is a, this is my life like digitally. Whereas people from maybe my generation and up like thirties, forties, fifties and up were like, they were more confused about that. No, that goes back to my, 30 year old like reflections on my twenties is just that more and more things are not necessarily that you can't do something because of X, Y, or Z. It's just more, this is the result and to set yourself up for the most optimal results and to actually have a well-planned life. It requires a lot of execution and dedication and perseverance. And like, you can't just be laissez faire posting photos or doing whatever it is that you want and have no repercussions for the sentiment shared. Dude, I have a kid who wants to go to med school in college and he can't play basketball because he's failing like three classes. And I'm like, what about your current lifestyle or, or you know, the way that well, you what have ha- you been told about med school? <laughs> exactly. Like he's like, oh, you know, I'll just focus whenever I get to college. And I'm like, that's not how it works. Like you have to like <laughs> Uh, and you know, this is like adults talking to us whenever we were in high school and, you know, maybe I didn't heed their warning either, but like uh, you have to lay down the foundation now, like you have to set those habits now, or it's going to be a lot harder by the time you get to college. Like this guy's a senior, he's going to be graduating in six months. 
And so all of a sudden, he's just going to develop those studying skills, those studying habits and time management skills uh, overnight? Probably not. And, you know, it's just that's why I teach is just trying to drill that into their heads that like, hey, uh, you know, we're going to have a test over this book, but also like life is about to happen. And if you go to like the university right across the street from here, you're going to be shoveling thousands of dollars. And like, if you don't grab, I have friends right now that didn't graduate from Southwestern who are paying off loans, you know, and they, and they dropped out like, and they have nothing to show for it. So they wasted so much money and, um, they, they don't even have a diploma. And that I, I would hate to see that for my kids, for my kids. Like, you know, they're still my students once they graduate from here. Like I still check in on many, many of my students, the ones that, you know, I form relationships with. And um, it would just crush me to, to see that they haven't continued their education or I don't know. I, it would be okay if they didn't go to college, but should they? And, you know, to spend all that money and then not to finish out, like I would hate that. Yeah, I think we always want to see ROI for anything that we expend, be it energy or time or money. And when you're young, the the premise is that you have nothing but time and energy and no money. Um, so it, you know, as long as they can identify a viable path forward, be it trade school, be it if some of these kids they could just already be a YouTube content creator and be a professional YouTuber making two hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, which know. is awesome. But um, the the big thing, if they if they fail at something for a year from eighteen to nineteen, and then they go incur the debt or have to work the insane jobs to get through college and and all that that entails, you just hope that they're able to use that degree and all of that stuff. Right. But whenever they, I would rather you waste a year working on something that teaches you a lot of things and you're not in the negative at the end yes. of the time than for you to go to school for a year and then make all these decisions. And you're like, well, that, that experiment was not only a year of my time and effort, but it was also $30,000. Exactly. And you know, I'm a full supporter of them. If they don't know what they want to do, or if they know that they don't have it all together right now, or they know that they need to save up money for college you know, community, whether that be community college or a more expensive university, um, then definitely, you know, you know, take a year off or do whatever you need to, to get it together. And, um, and then you can figure it out. Cause you know, a lot of these kids, like they have, <laughs> they have to ask to use the bathroom. Like they have to ask me to go to the bathroom, you know, today. And, and in six months, like they're expected to make these huge life decisions about what they're going to do for the rest of their lives, which is pretty crazy. Like, I know that's asking a lot of them, especially, you know, un, you know, under the circumstances of like, you, you know, they're being told what to do pretty much every day. And now it's like, okay, well, here's the world. Good yeah. Luck. Just go out there. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I'm definitely okay with them if, if they don't know exactly what they want to do to take some time for that. I wholeheartedly agree. Oh, I think that we should be stressing more, uh, bridge programs and national service and, um, being a missionary, you know, going, studying abroad, whatever it is that you're going to do, go learn another language or another way of life. Yeah. Uh, because when you're 18, you know, when I was 18, I thought I was an adult. I thought I was like a little man and that everything in the world was stationary and that everybody that had graduated college, they had their college identity and they had their trade, they had their career, they had their trajectory and that it was never going to change. And that I wanted to be the guy with the car and the job and the house and whatever. 
Yeah. And that there were no ups and downs associated with any of this, no uh, delayed gratification or anything like that. And yeah. it, it's just, <laughs> it's, I was a child. I was yeah. a total child. Like, looking back, I was looking at a picture of uh, John and I got tagged in a picture in Denton probably eight years ago. And keep in mind that John is like years older than I am. He's probably four years older than I am. And he looked like a child in this photo. And he was probably 24 or five. Yeah. And I just realized like, you know how you think that there's people that are attractive today and they're 28, but you look back at photos of them at 21 and you're like, wow, they weren't as attractive at right. 21. Yeah. They hit what their, is that about? They hit their glow up late, man. Or is that just something where humans are always looking a little bit different as time marches on. Like that nobody from the 1850s was sexy. Mm. You know, none of those teeth yeah. gripping teeth clenched photos, yeah. you know, of mom pot in front of the, <laughs> the cabin. Yeah, none of those people were sexy. Yeah. You know, Laura Ingalls Wilder, little house on the prairie. Yeah. That was a fake retail. Michael <laughs> Landon was not present on the 1850s prairie. Okay. Yeah. Michael Landon died of dysentery first. They're like, you're too pretty for this here prairie boy. That's right. Oh man. That's great. <laughs> um, so that's my question though. Like, is it just the, and I also think it's a camera situation too, in that yeah. All the cameras today are so much better. Like the camera on your iPhone is so much better than the digital camera that you spent hundreds of dollars on back in 2008 when yeah. I was starting college. Yeah. And I mean, you know, people are getting haircuts more, <laughs> you know, that's all about that self-care. Like you know, women are going to their spas and everything. And I, I think you think it, the amenities are more bountiful. Yeah, I, th I think it, exactly. I think that all those like high end luxuries are now like more middle class and like people are just you know, taking interest in their appearance a lot more, especially because, you know, cameras are a lot nicer and, you know, they want to look good and everything. Um, but yeah, I've noticed like a lot with my students, my students care so much more and they dress so much better than any of us ever did whenever we were in grade school. Well, yeah, because when you're, we were in grade school, it was like, just get through it, you know, like, <laughs> right. let's go to school and like do the spelling bee or buy the yo-yo or do whatever we need to do. But nowadays, I was hearing about this the other day and I forget what the term, well, I forget what the term was, but people are having to get so made up just to go to soul cycle or the calf or yeah. whatever it is that they're doing, because you never know if you're going to run into uh, Mindy and she's going to want to do an Instagram post like, Hey, no filter. Look who I ran into. You never know who you're going to run into while you're walking the street over to subway, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess iPhones weren't I, as great back then I, in 2014 because yeah, you were, shit. You look yeah. like a beached walrus just lumbering across old Ooh. Betsy to get a onion filled sandwich. No, you, you look a lot better now. <laughs> well, you look all GQ'd appreciate, out. Appreciate that. You got a firm jawline and you run though now. A little bit. Yeah. Ran you, six miles uh, this past weekend. I did some insanity yesterday morning. I love how you're work. like, I run a little bit and then you're like, I ran six miles. Well, I only say a little bit because I don't, I don't do it consistently every day. So I ran a lot that day. I'll, I'll concede. But uh, I, I need to be more consistent with it. I would really love to layer on becoming a runner to my current regimen. Like, I really feel like a lot of things would fall into place health wise, like everything wise, if I were to just incorporate three, three mile jogs a week. Yeah. Like, do you have any before or after and not on I don't care about your weight or like your mm -hmm. gut or any anything no, like you. I just look vanity. healthier like. 
Right. I, I want to know about your cognitive performance and if you, I oh, want to know about the runner's high. Oh, I can breathe a lot more easily. Okay. Um, it, your sleep is probably better. Yeah, man. Um, it's awesome. Uh, I, I wake up with more energy, like even though, you know, I'm exerting myself and exercise, like, you know, I, I go to bed tired, but I wake up with a lot more energy. Like I've noticed, you, you know, just working out these two, three times in the past week and a half, like I'm up before my alarm and my alarm is at 530 every morning. So I'm ready right now. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. extreme. Yeah. My weeks are pretty crazy. No professional job that I've ever had has required me to be up at 5.30 a.m. So, and you and Grizz, you know, Sierra gets up at 4.30 a.m. See, that's wild. I used, in Maryland, I did. I lost like 20 pounds in Maryland because uh, I was working out with our athletic director there, and we had to get to the gym by 5 every day. Oh, jeez. Um, that's There's why no I've, pa- I've packed on a few more pounds since then because I prefer sleep. Um, but yeah, man, um, I definitely, you know, go run, eat your veggies, get that energy. I wake up so early because, you know, we have staff meeting at 7.15 and then I see my kids at 7.45 and I just don't want to walk into my classroom all groggy. Like I know they're all tired. And so I really feel like it's my job to, you know, amp them up for the day and get them started. And if I'm expecting them to be awake, I definitely need to be. Oh, for sure. Any job like a teacher or manager, I realize that management requires the early waking hours simply because you have to set the tone for what's going to occur that day. No doubt. At least in certain management positions, you know, you have to be there. You have to command the intrinsic respect of, you know, people's perceived dedication of your job. Yes. And also just have everything set up because the management portion is just superfluous. It's like, (laughs) you know, it's like, here's additional work on top of the real work that you have to do. So you better get to the office early and grind through some of that like it was the whole reason why when I was at the boss group, we would have specific, we, we had what we would call chunking hours. So uh, this is, you know, nothing like teaching, obviously, but I was a, uh, a business development manager for a creative, interactive and marketing recruiting firm called the boss group in Dallas. Yeah. And we would have these things called chunking hours where we would go into like a, a room with a phone and it's like a blank room and you literally just like have... 20 phone calls in front of you on a status sheet and you march through all of them and you might leave 10 voicemails, make five voice to voice connections and have five, you know, hangups or something like that. And you're supposed to document all of it in the CRM. And we would stay late one night a month and we would do the five to 7 PM chunking mm. hours because that's when you would connect with all the managers, all yeah. the creative directors, all the directors of marketing, all the directors of HR, because everybody had left for the day. So now they can finally do their job. Yeah. So it, how many hours a week do you work? I feel like outside of work. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's the weird thing. Being oh, academy man. based, like, um, cause Grizz works like seven thirty to five. It seems like yeah. Sierra works like maybe seven to one. I mean, are we but including you work like weekends? I work weekend. Well, and nights, and a lot of times I do weekend. I like, I have to come in on the weekends to grade because, like if we're including athletics, like I, I told you, I, as soon as we're done recording here, I'm going into the gym and like I'm announcing the girls and boys basketball games and I sit on the boys bench. So I'm probably out of here on literally Monday, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And this is if it's a home game where I don't have to travel anywhere. I'm out of here by nine, nine thirty. 
if it's an away game, I typically ride the bus uh, with the boys just so, you know, I can connect with them and hype them up. And we don't get back here until 10 and then I have to drive home. And so, um, you know, if we're we're including all the uh, extracurriculars, like like yeah, I'm here all the time. And then, you know, students texting me like I tell you about my students that, you know, text me for advice and stuff like I still feel like I'm on the job there. Like like I want to be that person. I want to be there for them, but it still definitely works. So I feel like I don't know. I don't want to be like cliche, you know, teachers like never off the job. But that honestly, that's how I feel like. Well, whether you're a teacher at a religious school or a secular school, a private school, whatever, it's definitely a calling. Yeah. And I guess that you just have to view it in terms of hours commitment as a real calling because the whole, um, you know, get off work at three, have two months off, you know, have your nights and weekends and all of this promise that I feel like a lot of teachers are sold is not the case with these uh, Christian schools with these high performing like charter schools with any type of if you're involved with sports and academia like I mean these are just the you're describing the days where you teach and then have to go to these different games much less the weeks where you have to go drive oh, a yeah. school bus or a van full yep. of kids to some remote camp or yeah you know, our, our kids just had drama camp this past weekend um, gym gymnastics left two weeks ago you know like i said constantly traveling academy like they're they're going everywhere and a lot of times i'm on those trips too like we talked about me going to freshman bible camp um and there are what two trips that i'm going to be going to after christmas so goodness man yeah you just it becomes such a large part of your identity like you never clock out and go home and kick your feet up and, you know, Dude, get out. I mean, I showed you the text, uh, our last recording or maybe two ago. It was two weeks ago. Where, we were at dinner. Where we went to dinner and yeah. my student texted me while we were at dinner, the one that we kind of give a hard time. But, you know, he texted me with another issue. Like, it happens all the time. Yeah, that, that kid, um, he needs one of those, like, this many days since last spill or last accident. Like, Nah, he, he, has, a, he has a rough home life, so. Um, I don't don't mind being that guy for him. Well, I didn't know that podcast fam. So uh, (laughs) yeah, that's true. I'm not going to paint you to be Brad. uh, You didn't know that. Brad threw him out for podcast fodder for multiple weeks without telling me that apparently uh, a negative situation. You know, he, he, a lot of those decisions he makes are still on his own. So I don't mind. I poke fun at him all the time, but I I love that guy. I personally think that 80% of, children in homes are probably in danger. (laughs) Like, dude, I really do feel like there are, you have to be so prepared, so knowledgeable, so full of resources and time and all of this to really give your child, not only like a good upbringing, but one that, uh, one that makes the child feel like they're enabled and empowered to accomplish their dreams and follow their pursue their passions, even real time. Cause like, dude, just think about the clothes. The yes. fact that they're growing like a weed, like I'm seeing all these girls on Facebook, like I've got zero to six month old baby yeah. clothes and I see these babies. We have a friend that we went to college with here. She posted a photo of like her baby in this, uh, you know, Sunday best the other day. And I'm thinking, I don't have a new Sunday best outfit <laughs> and this baby does yeah. and he's going to wear it one time. And <laughs> yep. that's insane. It's People wild. are buying Jordans for their you know, zero to 12 month year old. Yeah. 12 month year old. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get what you mean. Yeah. It's um, just, 
I, I feel like you would need a million dollars in liquid assets per child to start procreating. <laughs> yeah. And just going back to like, you know, just parenting or lack thereof, like, man, my first year of teaching, I, the kids that I connected with, like I had students where their father like is in prison and, you know, had offered them cocaine whenever they were like 11 years old. I had a kid who was gay and his, his mom like made him like stop making him food and like told him to pray the gay away. Like these are things that, you know, these Those kids, are two very different parents, they, by the way, one yeah. is offering their child cocaine and the other one is saying, yeah. don't be gay. Those right. are in, but yeah. you know, on, on, you know, whatever end of, you know, the spectrum or whatever, there are a lot of things that like, we don't realize, like, you know, perhaps our classmates went through that they never shared with us or, um, you know, kids that I'm, I'm not close with who haven't opened up to me, you know, just knowing that there's potential. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great parents that I do deal with, but there's a lot that are going through a really difficult time. So, um, that's why I'm on 24 seven, baby. Yeah, and if you haven't set it up, if you haven't set your life up in a way that by having a child, you're going to be like, if you're going through a hard time as a parent, I'm just saying that more people should set up their lives to where they mitigate potential hard times to the nth degree prior to having children. Like if you are paycheck to paycheck and you are, you know, trying to get pregnant, that's I question that personally yep. granted no. i'm a man i'm a fiscal conservative in many ways uh definitely socially liberal but you know that's just my own personal two cents and then i see these other people that you know they're i don't know i see i'm on this i'm on this wave of like you know everybody should be able to make their own decision about their own life but on the other hand like some of those decisions that you want to make are just so stupid like why, why would you ever have a kid if you could not provide a good life for that? Like, well, I, the, I understand there's hardships, you know, people get laid off, like, you know, certain things that you can't prepare for. But if you know that you are living paycheck to paycheck, just you, and you're still wanting to have kids, like sometimes you need a little more than just like, I want one. Like it needs to be, <laughs> there needs to be more. I don't know. Right. But this goes in keeping with the student debt conversation and college choice conversation that if you're not sure, if you made decisions at 20 to, you know, get a major that you now at 25 no longer use or something like that, what what makes you qualified to be a parent at that point? Like if you're changing core things like what I want to do with my life, yeah. what I want to be known for, don't you think other things like, you know, yeah. And, children, and this is, in, this is including, spouse. this is including men too, because you, you make that decision too. Like, you, no, you, uh, yeah, I, I just want, I'm, I'm specifically yeah. speaking to men okay. more than anything. Yeah. Like men need to be careful. Women need to be careful, but women are generally six years ahead of men, right? right? Like they're just, they're yeah. always, and ahead. this conversation, like I'm strictly talking like consensual, you know, every, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. everything. No, I'm saying I, what, where did that well, come from? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just trying to cover my ground because you know, people do have babies. Out, out okay. Of okay. I'm saying people that want to get pregnant at whatever age that right. I'm saying men's brains aren't fully formed until they're 25. And any decision that I made up until, you know, last week was probably largely emotional, ego driven, testosterone driven and up for review 
Yeah. And I'm self-aware of that. And I'm probably even a little bit more self-critical than, than most would be. Right. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not commenting on if you pop up pregnant against your will or anything. Like right, that. right. Right. I know. And I do think that and we I, need strong. And I know that you're not saying that but just for the listener. Like, I just want to clarify, especially, you know, we talked about cancel culture last week. Like, I just want it to be known that well, we're, there, we're talking about dumb decisions based on, you know, consensual partners having kids. There should be services made available to young people that um, have pregnancies against their will and yep. that have pregnancies that they decide, oh, wow, this would be a dumb idea. I think that that service should also be available to them as well. Yep. And I probably am alone in that opinion. But as, long, as long as the world is turning, um, I heard about, you know, with the more restrictive abortion laws that they're passing in some of the southern states, there was an 11 year old that was going to have to carry a child to term. Mm. And I was like, that's criminal. Yeah. Uh, like, you can't do that. That's just so wrong. Right. So. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. So I don't want you to feel like you're out on that ledge alone. No, I mean, it seems like just common sense that, you know, and I have and if personal... you don't like it, then it's not going to affect you. Okay. Like let them do what they need to, to their, with their body. I don't know. Right. But oh, well, I do know. I don't, I'm not going to say, I don't know. It's hard. Cause we claim to have this separated government, you know, from church and state and, yeah, yeah, if it doesn't fall in line fabric. with your beliefs, not everybody in this world's a Christian. So Jesus just told us to love them. Like, yeah, I think that there's a lot of other religions though that would be uh, uh, offended by it, offended know. by pro-choice standpoints and things like that. But um, that's an argument for another day. Yeah, so. we can get into that. What other conspiracies you got? <laughs> oh. So Epstein definitely didn't kill himself. Right. We're making headway with the with the jail guards. I'm really mm-hmm. hoping that those guys just roll over and they're like, yeah, Billy Clinton called us and offered us a speech. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if we would, uh, you know, do whatever. Um, but the larger thing is if they were fabricating reports of having checked on the inmates and different things like that, what did they do to the, the video cameras? And who did they see pass into the jail? Yeah either inmate guard or third party that walked over there and could have done something to Epstein. We need answers, baby. Um, yeah, man, that one, uh, we also got the impeachment. We had another full yeah, day. There's hearings another there. uh, trial today, right? Um, you know, Mike Pence had this aide out there and you know, he's the one that's famous for, he won't go to dinner alone with a woman, uh, yeah. without his wife present. He, he has the, the Billy Graham. Uh, have you ever heard the Billy Graham methodology? Hit me. Billy Graham would never be alone with a woman that was not his wife uh, because he knew that in his uh, large leading role within mm-hmm. the faith that Pete, you know, apostates would come and try to make him sin yeah. or embroil him in sin. And case in point, there was one day that he was on an elevator and a woman walked in to the elevator and she was in a big trench coat. And as the elevator doors were shutting, she turns around, drops the trench coat, apparently is either naked or very provocatively dressed. And there's a photographer Mm. waiting right outside the elevator to capture that photo, which was obviously staged. Yeah. Anyway, getting back to our original point, Mike Pence is one of those weirdos. (laughs) (laughs) And he had one of his aides testifying on Capitol Hill today. And she was kind of hot. Not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. Like. That she, her lawyer was actually chiming in for her. It was weird because she was giving testimony, but her lawyers were also the lawyers from the vice president's office, which is a part of the administration. Mm. So 
the warring factions, you had this other guy that was a, a lieutenant colonel um, that was actually born in the Ukraine. And I think he was born in the Ukraine or his parents were, and he was brought here and all of his brothers served in the armed forces. And so he's been uh, called to task for, you know, these impeachment hearings. And he seemed to be going much harder on kind of the president and giving sound bites and different things like that. But she seemed to be answering things, deferring more to the legal team. Okay. Um, because that was the thing I was hearing about, talked about yesterday is that some of these people have not resigned yet. Some of these people are still in active positions. They're being called on to testify and that Trump is basically live tweeting the testimony <laughs> and like scaring them yeah. and witness intimidation and tampering. And, you know, they have to go back to roles within his administration that yeah. maybe they'll feel welcome. Maybe so, they won't. So if they offer up or hesitate or do whatever, anything, you know, that displeases them. It's hard to know which foot to, you know, lift in that position, yeah, so to speak. But I'm sure we'll have more for you on that next week. That's right. Hopefully we'll have figured out who murdered Epstein and <laughs> maybe that person will be the next president of the United States. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Buttigieg takes the lead in Iowa hardcore. Like he's up to like 25%. He wow. was in the latest poll that I saw, he was nine points ahead of the closest rival. Really? And Biden has pretty much, um, Boy, he really stepped in it. He he created the the biggest gaffe ever this week. Yeah. In addition to the record player and all these different things that he said throughout this debate season, he said that marijuana is a gateway drug and that mm. he would not legalize it. And it was like, all yeah, right, Grandpa, <laughs> time to go back to the farmhouse and yeah. enjoy some cookies. Like, you idiot. Yeah. Um, start start the timer on his candidacy. Um. Yeah. It's he's not going to be lasting that long. Especially, I don't know, marijuana is like widely popular in, in multiple states now. And I know that they're trying to get it legalized here in Texas. Um, there's no way he's going to win over everyone. Like people are, you know, talking about using it solely for medical reasons now. And, you know, just for them to uh, lose that. Um, yeah, they'd definitely be against. I can't believe mm -hmm. that he said that as idiot. A Democrat, like that's one of their main yeah. positions. Like Bill Maher has very much encouraged the party to become the uh, party of like the same way that Republicans will get a lot of the Catholic vote and the religious vote because of um, pro-life standpoints and uh, Supreme Court. He said, become a one issue party over pot yeah. and whether or not you consume it or advocate exactly, for yeah. it or think of that it's good medically or recreationally or wherever you stand if you're a fiscal conservative you'll recognize that there are certain states in the union that are profiting off of fractional pieces of the industry yep so as each of these new states make it legal they're auctioning off the right to become one of the two companies that can do it um you have the whole you know certification process out in the emerald triangle in california that all these people can't afford, you know, these excessive licenses to just grow the same product that they were growing to begin with. Yeah. And it just, it angers me. This is why I voted Democrat in 2018 because Texas can produce products like they can produce glass that you might use to smoke marijuana out of. And they have different portions of the industry that you can profit off of but not all of it. And right. it just seems like it's becoming a competitive landscape issue almost. Yeah. I so agree. I could make that argument to Republicans, not from like the morality standpoint, but just from the, you know, In business P and L. Yeah. Anyway, you got varsity games coming up. You got to go soon. Oh uh, yeah. 
when is it six o'clock here yeah yeah the uh, girl should be starting soon so you do uh are you like what's up i'm everybody i'm brad nah, holding nah, down nah. the gym man i'm just like ladies and gentlemen <laughs> get ready for your cta trailblazers really yeah oh that's awesome yeah <laughs> number five yeah number five seth white <laughs> number six Brian White. <laughs> no. Ricky White. <laughs> don't have any of the whites here. I don't know. <laughs> Not sure where that's coming from. No, just that uh, you probably don't have any future NBA players on your team. No. I we do. So. We do. In the state, we have some high rank. We do have uh, two boys that are ranked pretty high in the state. Really? Why would they yeah. waste their time going to this school when they could go to a real school for like like your your basketball isn't real compared to like Dallas or I don't know South Lake Carroll right. for instance. Am I right? Yeah, no okay. you're absolutely right. Um I'm just trying to think of a uh, like I feel like there are where other opportunities for you rather than going to Southwestern but like because of your family and stuff that I did that play did your family play a role in it at all? A hundred percent. They said, yeah. if you want mommy and daddy's money, you got to exactly. go to an ad and just exactly. So that's kind of the same thing. Like the, you know, the parents, even though they're super uh, talented kids, like they're sending them to the school to get a Christian or Adventist education. And that's good. Uh, have they been recruited or tried to be sharp? Yeah, by, we, we had, really. Yeah. Last night you had like an athletic trainer from like a yeah. public school ISD come and mm -hmm. scout. Mm -hmm. No way. Yeah. He's like, yo man over at a, over at Mansfield ISD, we could get you a nah. We could get you a two times locker. Um, yeah, no. We got three seniors that are ready to date you. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know much about that. And so, I'm, well, cool, I'm man. Gonna, I'm glad you're announcing though. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's good, and the kids the kids actually like it a lot. So I like. No, uh, I guess I'm the first person, you know. In the past, they've just been like, you know, number five, uh, number 10, or whatever. Like, but since I kind of amp them up, like, they really like me doing it. So, oh, for sure. Well, and I remember at Southwestern, basketball was like really the only sport that we Dude, would get hype huge. about. And you know, they, they still do those basketball tournaments. Like, our boys are, oh, I'm sure, playing in the tournament this year. I'll never you know, forget when we beat, it's like a statewide tournament. I think it was Richland or Southwestern Assembly of God. Mm. And, we like mobbed the court. Yeah. And it's yeah. Tons. It, we hadn't tons. won a single game in like 13 <laughs> years or something crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. Um, one of shout the out to pebbles who was the all time <laughs> leading scorer during my wow. tenure. Here. Yeah. I think he scored points for the Southwestern Knights. What was it? 14 consecutive years in a row. <laughs> Maybe so prior to wrapping his undergrad. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. If you're listening, <laughs> he's not. Yeah. <laughs> he's not listening. If he is, <laughs> shout out Pebbles, dude. Yeah, you're the man. <laughs> he crushing it. Yeah. He he was the all-time leading scorer with a hundred points over 13 <laughs> aggregate years. Jeez. We were so bad. Anyway, I, I'm glad that you guys are crushing it at the uh, high school level. Yeah. Thanks, man. Well, thanks for working me in this week. I appreciate you making the trek over here. For sure. Where's uh, dinner tomorrow night for your girl? Uh, Fresca. Frescas? Frescas. Ooh. Frescas. Yeah. In, in Burleson. Burleson. Dude, yeah. I love that place. Yeah. They have great fajitas. Yeah. And... I've been there once. So is she going to be in town tomorrow or what? She's here. She's been here for the past few days. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. She's actually going to be at the games tonight too. So. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah. Well, very cool. Um, I mean, she just walked these halls like mere months ago almost. <laughs> it was funny. I was texting my mom earlier and I was saying, I was explaining that I was coming down for the podcast and that your girl's birthday conflicted with mine. And my mom goes, oh, how cute. You're turning 30. She's turning 12. <laughs> and I was like, mom, doing my dirty work for me. I said, I'm definitely going to share that with Brad. It'll make him red. Yep. Love those jokes. <laughs> no, she'll be 23 tomorrow yeah. or Thursday. Thursday. Happy 23rd birthday. Courtney, number five. <laughs> Anything else, man? Nope. Ready to go now. <laughs> Brad's staring at me very frustrated. Take it out of my mom, dude. It wasn't me. <laughs> you verbalized it on air. Courtney is 23 years old. Mm -hmm. So everything is fine. All right, man. Well, thanks for getting together and uh, have fun with her. I'll see you uh, Friday in Dallas for the festivities. Sounds good, man. Can't wait. Awesome. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Check us out at weeklycatchuppodcast.com. Search for Weekly Catch-Up Podcast in all of your major platforms that you consume podcasts through. And please be sure to rate, subscribe, and review. We definitely appreciate that. Shout out to, I don't know who Brock is. Yes. Who is Brock? Brock Riker. very interesting. We, we went to uh, Burton together. He was a senior when I was a freshman. And I actually, one of these times, I'll, I'll share some stories about him. But I really looked up to that guy. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a good dude. He's over in Colorado right now. Uh, he's a nurse, huge, big into fitness. Well, he seems like just of kindred yeah. spirit from like the topical perspective. Buff and abroad. If you yeah. want to check out him, uh, Buff and abroad. He has his own website and uh, uh, Twitter handle, Buff and abroad. Yeah, I looked him up and Ellen was like, ooh, he's hot. What's Buff and abroad? Yeah, <laughs> she man. was like looking it up. But that guy seems very uh, thoughtful and he's tweeted about two moments in podcasts that are deep in so yeah. he's obviously yeah, avidly he's, consuming that you know him obviously so right yeah that's cool um i meant to ask he, you about that yeah he's a guy that i've always really looked up to so i i really really appreciate uh you listening brock that means a lot well shout out brock and shout out michael denny uh he was group texting us last week that he's anxious to grab a microphone and yeah we got to get you in soon and be a guest on the podcast and he's listened to all seven thus far, uh, cover to cover. So greatly appreciate his support. Yeah, Michael, I, I want to, I want you to add to the conversation. Come be a guest. Uh, that'd be awesome, man. All right, everybody. That's it for November 19th, 2019 weekly catch up podcast. We out. All right. We'll catch you up soon. Later.